Time now for Financial Friday on WOMI with your host, Drew Watson, sponsored by Align Wealth Management. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, Private Wealth Advisor with Align. And boy, do we have a great show for you today here on June 18th, 2021. Before we get into the show, I do want to make a public service announcement that this week, starting tomorrow, June 19th, the Western Kentucky Botanical Garden is hosting their world-famous Dazzling Daylily event. This is a week-long extravaganza with something for young and old. And no matter where you are on the gardening spectrum, you can definitely find ideas or plants to take home with you. The Daylily Festival is a fixture in Western Kentucky, and through the work of Dr. Bill and Susie Tyler, the Botanical Garden has grown famous, especially for this, the unique hybridized daylilies that Dr. Tyler has helped produce. Get out and support the garden. There's something every day going on. Check the garden's website or make a call to the garden, and you can ask for Lorna Strell. She's the garden director, and they can put you on to what the daily list of activities are for this week. Now, let's jump into market action for the week that was June 18th, 2021. We kind of had a down week, mainly based on fears around higher inflation and the Fed beginning to lower the amount of bonds it buys every week, or you may hear this word, it's called tapering. No, they're not talking about a large mammal that walks very slowly and eats ants. They're talking about stopping buying bonds. And also when they may or may not raise interest rates, which now looks like is moving into 2023. For the time being, rates should remain pretty steady. So don't let anyone strong arm you into a transaction with fear around rates going through the ceiling just yet. Looking at markets, um, as I said, for the year, markets are still pretty strong. In the U.S., the S&P is up about 13 and a quarter percent for the year. The Dow Jones just over 12 and the Nasdaq just over nine. In Europe, we've seen really the best action on the planet, with most indexes up around 18% as the Dow Jones stocks 50. Europe Composite Index is up just over that. And you have laggards on the continent, actually off the continent in the UK, the FTSE 100 is up just about 12.5%. And your top performers is actually the CAC 40 in Paris, up almost 22% for the year, and a mixed bag between Germany, Italy, Spain, and Russia, all hovering somewhere between 14 and 18%. Asia is a little bit of a different story. Uh, this week, the Shanghai Composite Index did turn positive, up just a modest 1.5% year-to-date. Your top performers um, have been the Australian Index, the ASX 200, uh, followed by the Korean Copsy, up about 13.77. And the Singapore Straight Times Index has been steady all year at about 12%. So there is a little bit of a dark cloud gathering over those old friend of ours in the PRC, People's Republic of China, as it does appear that all signs are pointing towards their economy slowing down. On the commodities front, spot gold has had kind of a soft week. We're down under $1,800 an ounce. 
but West Texas crude continues crushing it, staying above $70 a barrel, up almost 48% for the year. In looking at our favorite commodity, especially in the last uh, few months, let's take a look at lumber. Lumber closed Thursday, down $63 at about $904 per 1,000 board feet, which just a little bit less than six weeks ago, that same price was $1,734 a board foot. So if you could imagine the chart of lumber I'm looking at, it looks a lot like the Matterhorn. We started out about a year ago at this time, right around $400 uh, for a thousand board feet. Uh, before the pandemic hit, we were right around 300 a thousand board feet. We had a quick run up to over 800 uh, from June to September, a dip in November back to about 500, then a run again. Uh, right before the end of the year, back to 800. And then really from January 1 through May 1, in four months, uh, lumber prices absolutely uh, did something they've never done in history. Uh, they almost tripled in, really in about a four-month period. The good news is if you're building a house, if you're patient, you may see these prices continue to come down. As anything that can triple in price in four months can certainly see downside happen almost as immediately and with staggering effect. The real question for consumers is how long will the will it take to get some of these lower lumber prices into the hardware stores or super centers like Lowe's and Home Depot? That is yet to be seen. But it's clear this commodity has traded almost limit down for really almost two weeks straight. So we're at about nine or ten trading days. I think we've had one up day in the ten. But definitely lumber prices are seeing a tremendous sell-off. When all the smoke clears, without a doubt, I think also we'll get a better understanding of exactly why did lumber prices triple to begin with and why are maybe prices at the store staying elevated once the raw commodity price drops? These are all questions that I'm sure will be answered in probably the next 6 to 12 months. And, man, do we have a great show for you today. We're going to take a deeper dive into inflationary fears and what the Fed may or may not do, as well as answer your email questions. Keep in mind, keep those questions coming. Email them to me at William.A.Watson at ampf.com, and we'll be sure to read your questions on the air. You're listening to Financial Fridays, brought to you by Align Wealth Management, and we'll be back in 60 seconds. What do you want to do when you grow up? When we were young, it's a question we were often asked. As we get older, our passions become clearer, our pursuits become careers, and if we're diligent, we begin to plan for the life we want to live. That's why at Ameriprise Financial, we ask, what's most important to you? 
Starting with our confident retirement approach, your Ameriprise Financial Advisor will ask questions that will help you arrive at a customized plan that can help you realize your goals today, tomorrow, and throughout retirement. With the right financial advisor, life can be brilliant. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc. today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. Office is located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Hello and welcome back to Financial Fridays, brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, private wealth advisor with Align. In today's second segment, we're going to take a deeper dive on some investment themes that have gone on the following week. Uh, the headlines, as we said at the top of the show, are all about the Fed talking about interest rates. And we're going to take a deeper dive on what has gone on um, with the Fed and what that's done to markets and your investments over the last seven days. Uh, Coming out Wednesday, the Fed said they're going to leave policy steady, but they've changed a little bit of their forward guidance. The Fed left its policy posture study at its fourth meeting of 2021. The overall tone leaned hawkish, acknowledging the pace of reopening since the May policy discussion. With the Fed funds rate near zero and $120 billion of bond purchases per month left unchanged, the Fed's evolved its forward guidance message in two ways. First, Fed Chairman Powell stated the June meeting served as the, quote, talking about, talking about, unquote, meeting, indicating that policy discussions in the second half of the year would be discussions around when the Fed might deem data sufficient for a taper announcement. That means instead of buying $120 billion worth of bonds per month, something less than that. And secondly, the forecast of Fed members reflected prospects for rate hikes in 2023 as the medium forecast pointed to a half a percent or 50 basis point rate hike compared to no hikes in the March forecast. So historically, that's that's a pretty big move, and that's why you saw earlier in the week the, the Dow sell off 300-some-odd points. I think ended up down 200 down, 200 down on Thursday as the market is digesting that. So as I expected, the Fed posture reflects a strong reopening and signs of progress in the labor market. The unemployment rate fell from 6.7% at the end of 2020 to 5.8% in May and a rise in labor force participation as the economy reopens in general. Treasury yields rose in the five-year sector 11 basis points to 0.89%, reflecting the compression of time between today and the initial Fed rate hike. Markets anticipated a somewhat shorter fuse on rate hikes after the dots in the Fed member survey showed a median of two hikes in 2023 compared to no hikes until beyond 2023 in the March forecast. The stepped-up pace likely reflects the visibility on the pace of reopening and the recovery in the labor markets already noted. Fed members' forecast for inflation in 2021 also rose, reflecting the added fiscal impulse on top of the accelerated pace of vaccinations and reopening challenged supply chains and pulled demand forward. Somewhere near 7% GDP growth forecast in 2021 compared to just 6.5% in March. 
This supports higher inflation this year that trails lower next year as the physical impulse wanes and year-over-year comparables become much more challenging. Fed communication around the measured steps ahead aligned with its focus on reaching full employment before considering inflationary factors. Once full employment is achieved, only then will the Fed evaluate if the 2% core PCE inflation level is achieved and whether core inflation is expected to persist above 2% for, quote, some time. Focusing on the Fed's first goal of full employment, the Fed member forecast suggests full employment around a meeting of 4%. That's a range of 38 to 4.3% by individual members might be sustainable in the long run after policy depresses employment to around 3.5% in 2023. So what does all this mean? First and foremost, the Fed plans to expand liquidity well into next year through asset purchases, that is the bond buying. This suggests cash yields likely remain anchored and yields even out on the curve may be depressed by the Fed and investor demand. Borrowing conditions remain attractive for issuers and the Fed support for a risk-on investing approach remains intact. Even if the Fed were to begin tapering at an upcoming meeting, Cash pinup in the financial system will take time to drain from bank balance sheets and money market accounts. For risk investors, the night is still early and the punch bowl remains well supplied. As I expected, the Fed made operational adjustments by raising the interest on excess reserves held at the Fed by five basis points and the reserve repurchase rate by a matching amount to maintain the Fed funds in the target range. Neither change alter formal policy, rather focused on improving the Fed's ability to manage the Fed funds target rate of zero to 0.25 with short-term Treasury yields hovering near zero given the largesse of liquidity-depressing yield potential. So the bottom line is rates will go up at some point, and it looks like they're going to go up maybe a little bit sooner than expected. So it's good to know, and when you're looking at unemployment, just remember full unemployment isn't zero. It's somewhere between 4.3 and 3.8%, just depending on who's in charge at the Fed. You've been listening to Financial Fridays. I'm your host, Drew Watson, and we'll be back after a word from our sponsors. When today is unpredictable... You need sound advice and strong support to help you stay focused on your long-term financial goals for tomorrow. Ameriprise has been guiding clients through challenging times for over 125 years. You can take comfort in working with an advisor who's backed by that strong experience and who's there to guide you with personalized, goal-based financial advice. Together, you and your Ameriprise advisor can plan your future while navigating your now. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. Offices located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. Hello and welcome back to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, Private Wealth Advisor with Align Wealth Management. And this is our third segment of the show where we'll take a deeper dive into financial planning topics. And as I said at the top of the show, as a reminder, if you have a chance this week, get out and visit the Western Kentucky Botanical Garden in Owensboro, Kentucky, as they are having their famous, dare I say world-famous, week-long Dazzling Day Lilies 
show. And there is something to do each and every day at the Western Kentucky Botanical Garden. You can visit their website or you can just drive out to the garden, uh, which is on the east side of town, to see all the exciting action that's taking place starting uh, Saturday the 19th and working through till the 26th. Uh, they have a full calendar of events for both young and old, and they will be taking a deep dive into the dazzling daylilies. Well, in this part of the show, we do focus on financial planning topics, and with all the talk about interest rates and inflation that we had at the lead-in of the show, let's talk about why that is important, or maybe it's not, as it pertains to financial planning. Now, in general, interest rates are important because that's the cost of money. And more and more in this country, we rely on money that is borrowed. So as a nation, we are in debt up to our eyeballs, and that doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon. If you wonder why housing values have increased in price, a large part of the reason is that the cost of money is so cheap, people can afford to buy more house, therefore prices have run up. And I do know that the scare that hit the markets earlier this week, um, especially with regards to interest rates going up, uh, the questions that we had repeatedly are, should I lock in and buy a house now and lock in a mortgage? Now, keep in mind, when it comes to mortgage payments, I'm in the camp that the amortization schedule or the term of the loan probably is more important than the interest rate. Now, please hear me out. I'm not saying the interest rate is unimportant, but I do think the term may be equally or even more important than the rate. If you look at, and I'll run a couple of examples while I've got my handy-dandy calculator. If you did a 3.6% 30-year mortgage for, let's say, $100,000, borrowed, you're looking at a payment of about $455 per month. Given that there is about a you know, 0.60 difference between 30-year rates and 15-year rates, your 15-year rate payment would be something along the lines of $690 per month. So in essence, you're paying right around $124,000 total on a 15-year note, where in a 30-year note, you're paying $164,000. So just quick math, you're paying almost one-third more with a 30-year mortgage um, and that's all interest, folks, than you would be on a 15. Now, you may say, well, Drew, that, that payment of, of, of $690 is a lot more for every dollar financed um, than the 455. Yes, it is. It's about 50% more. But look at the interest you're saving, 40000 
dollars over the course of of 30 years and the fact that if you took your same payment and invested it over the remaining 15 years of the loan even at an interest rate as low as 3%, you're looking at not only having your house paid off, but accumulating another $156,000. So when you think about the time value of money and making these types of long-term commitments, I always try to counsel clients that a 15-year mortgage is a much, much more effective tool to use than a 30-year amortization schedule because really the first probably half dozen years in a 30-year amortization schedule, you're making almost no dent in your house payment. And people may say, well, that doesn't matter. I'm getting the equity in the house as houses go up. Over the long run, and I'm not talking about the last six months, but over the long run, a study has shown if you exclude the zip codes outside of New York City and Silicon Valley, home prices in the United States historically go up by 1% per year. Let me say that again. Historically, home prices in the United States of America outside of those probably top dozen zip codes only appreciate by 1% a year. And that's data from the University of Pennsylvania. It's not like uh, someone made that up um, at their house. So keep in mind, traditionally, houses are not good investments. Therefore, you could think about a house as a function of rent. How much would you pay for the same property, uh, just the basics, if you had to rent it? And you want to get that debt paid off as soon as possible. And the way to look at paying that debt off is more about the term of the loan than the interest rate of the loan. In the long run, you'll be better off with a shorter term loan um, almost 100% of the time. And you'll be debt-free quicker and have the ability to save money uh, much, much, much more using interest on your side of the table instead of paying the bank interest. You've been listening to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, and we'll be back after a word from our sponsors. What do you want to do when you grow up? When we were young, it's a question we were often asked. As we get older, our passions become clearer. Our pursuits become careers. And if we're diligent, we begin to plan for the life we want to live. That's why at Ameriprise Financial, we ask, what's most important to you? Starting with our confident retirement approach, your Ameriprise Financial Advisor will ask questions that will help you arrive at a customized plan that can help you realize your goals today, tomorrow, and throughout retirement. With the right financial advisor, life can be brilliant. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc. today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. Office is located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. 
Welcome back to Financial Fridays, brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, private wealth advisor with Align Wealth Management. And as summertime is approaching, more and more people are grilling out. And this week's question and answer comes in from a longtime listener concerning budgeting, especially when it comes to cookouts and family meals and family vacation. The question pertains to what is a good amount or a normal, quote-unquote, amount of your budget that needs to go to food, and when you're having a big family cookout, what is a tactful way and a financial, financially responsible way to share the cost? So let's dive into this question a little bit deeper. First of all, there is not a, quote-unquote, normal budget amount for food because no two families are exactly alike. Specifically speaking, it's a lot different for two people to eat than, say, a family of a husband and wife and four kids. Especially, there's a difference if you have four growing boys versus just a mixed family of boys and girls, you're probably going to be going through a bag of potatoes uh, more frequently than even weekly. if they're eating some meat and potatoes or fried chicken and potatoes every night. So let's start there that there is no quote-unquote normal, but as it pertains to your normal food budget, I think it is a good idea to separate what you're getting into a couple of categories, and that way you can help manage your finances maybe with a more fine-tooth comb. First and foremost, category one would be the essentials. This would be your proteins. So are you buying, you know, red meat, chicken, pork, fish, turkey, etc.? And that way you can have an idea that what you're spending on your proteins under the essentials. Also in essentials would be vegetables. That's all the fresh vegetables or canned vegetables you find in the grocery store. And finally, some starches. Uh, this would be potatoes, rice, uh, pasta, etc. Now, notice in the essentials, I did not put down, let's say, bottled water, because as far as I know, all the listeners here uh, that can hear me have tap water that runs into the house. So, bottled water, sodas, alcohol, that's going to be in the non-essential part of your budget as it pertains to food. Also in the non-essential part, I would put down, uh, you know, your sweets, so desserts, uh, cookies, ice creams, etc. cetera. Uh, I should have mentioned that, that dairy, you know, milk, uh, sour cream, cottage cheese, butter, uh, and eggs may be in your dairy section under essentials. But if you start looking at your grocery bills and separate the essentials from the non-essentials, one really good financial planning hack is when your non-essential expenditures exceed your essentials, that's a time to reevaluate your budget because that means you're spending money on items that you really don't need as opposed to items that you do need for daily life. Of course, tobacco and other things like that uh, would be in the non-essential category. So that's one tip on what I would consider to be 
a normal budgetary evaluation of what you're spending on food. Now, when it comes to family outings and such, I think planning and communicating ahead can help stop any hard feelings that may arise. For example, traditionally, when people have these type of outings, it should be agreed upon uh, before you start who is going to supply the main protein because typically that's the most expensive piece of it. Uh, sometimes, just because it's more convenient, the hosting party will supply the proteins and each associate member may be responsible for bringing a starch, a dessert, a vegetable, or drinks. If you really want to try to equalize the expense across the spectrum, the person that supplies the protein should be limited to that only. Other more expensive non-essentials that might go into any type of family outing, such as alcohol, uh, that could be split among the people that are not supplying the protein in an effort to try to keep costs the same. Now, if you're part of a family that wants to make sure everything is even Steven down to the last penny, the best thing to do would be just to set a budget and say, for this event, we're going to spend $300, for example. If there's four, four families coming, everybody puts in $75, and the groceries are bought and used on that spend. That's one way to make sure things go off without a hitch and there's no hard feelings and everyone has been dealt with on an even-handed and just manner. Keep in mind, we need food in our bodies each and every day, but think about those essential categories versus non-essential categories as we move forward. One other point, I did not mention dining out. Within a good household budget, dining out is a category that most people will consider to be entertainment. Along with dining out and entertainment, concerts, sporting events, etc. But for years, uh, especially the certified financial planning documentation that we go by at our office has counted dining out as an entertaining experience rather than as a food supplementary experience. As your kids get older and if they've got a debit or credit card, as they go out to eat, kids prefer dining out. And I would also let children know right off the bat, especially in this age of convenience, DoorDash, even if you're eating at home, is considered dining out. You've been listening to Financial Fridays brought to you by Lime Wealth Management. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. Have a great week this summer. This is WOMI Owens. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.